0: On today's episode, The Way to Inspire Ownership in the People We Lead, Pete Mekaitis joins me for a conversation on how to make it happen. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 303. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And one thing that you've almost inevitably heard about if you've done any thinking on how to be a better leader and how to be more effective and inspiring others is how to create ownership in the people that you have the privilege to lead. Ownership over their careers, ownership over their work, and ownership over their ability to be connected and stay connected to the mission of the organization. It's something we've all heard, and yet it is one thing that I think for a lot of us is challenging on how to really do practically. And I'm really glad today to be able to welcome uh, a new friend who I know will be able to provide us with a ton of perspective on how to do this. And, uh, and also, uh, will uh, really get us thinking about this concept of ownership, and that is Pete Makaitis. Pete is the host of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. He's consulted at Bain & Company and spent thousands of hours delivering one-on-one coaching to hundreds of world-class thinkers to sharpen their communication and problem-solving skills. His clients hail from over 50 countries and world-class organizations such as Google, Goldman Sachs, McKinsey the United Nations, and Amazon. And the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast is regularly listed as a top 10 careers podcast on iTunes. And like me, he's also a fine graduate of the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana.
1: Pete, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Oh, thanks so much, Dave. It's really a joy to be here. It's funny. I think of us as neighbors on the uh, the top iTunes careers podcast. Well, Westings.
0: indeed, and 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 you and I were like literally neighbors for a while because you're a Chicagoan yourself. I know a Midwesterner, and you and I not only did we go to the same school, we got the same degree. We were almost there at the same time. We're like <laughs> we're like sepa- we're almost separated at birth. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to have you here, and I, I've been thinking about this concept of ownership, and uh, you have this amazing show called How to Be Awesome at Your Job. And a big part of what you are doing for your audience is helping them really to create ownership over their careers. And a lot of our audience, of course, is trying to lead with the intention of creating ownership. But but even before we get into the details of this, I, I'm, I'm wondering, how do you see the concept of ownership?
1: Why is it so critical? Oh, boy, why is it so critical? And, and I think that the the answer to that is that when you have a sense of of ownership, then well, fun, first of all, work just becomes a whole lot more fun. It's like you're you're not like a a slave or a zombie, you know being sort of jerked from thing to thing under the command of someone else. but rather, you feel like you you have a sense of of agency and and purpose and and you're making it happen and and you've got something that's yours. And so not only is it just kind of more fun to experience that, but as a result, you, you bring forth more, more energy, more enthusiasm, and, and thus just more, more smarts associated with each thing you, you're tackling or working on. It's, it's kind of like a, a universal enabler uh, right up there with something like a, a growth mindset or, or grit or any of those other fun concepts you and I both like to study.
0: Yeah, well, and speaking of some of the the things we like to study, one of the words you and I had tossed around in our conversations before today was the word autonomy. And it's a word that comes from, uh, I don't know if uh, Daniel Pink first popularized it, but it certainly comes from the the book Drive that he put out, uh, I guess it's probably been almost 10 years now, and the importance of giving people an appropriate level of autonomy in their work. And and part of that's really driven of around the concept of ownership and the importance of of having that autonomy because a lot of times people don't have that in their careers I'm, I'm sure you hear that a lot.
1: Absolutely and and it's not fun. You know, it's it's one of the main reasons folks leave and decide that they they care to go elsewhere. And and it also ties in with a sense of of sort of self-value or appreciation. People get the impression it's like, "Hmm, if I don't have autonomy, if I'm not trusted to have a degree of autonomy, that they must not really trust my my capabilities or my my worth or my value or appreciate what i bring to the table so it could really spiral quite quickly psychologically in terms of you know this place is terrible for me mm, yeah indeed and i know a big part of
0: this is that uh, beliefs oftentimes lead to the decisions that we make and the actions that we take and you're a fan
1: i know of uh, bandura's work am i saying his name right bandura yeah, I think so. I, I've said a Bandura, but I don't actually know. <laughs> it's, I'm only reading it instead of hearing it.
0: Yeah, me, me too. I've seen his name so many times over the years. And and he created this theory. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of insight into his work and, and just some of the thinking over how this relates to ownership.
1: Oh, sure thing, yes. Well, I, I'm a fan of, of citing his work in particular when I, I'm discussing this topic in some of my training programs. And so so Dr. Albert Bandura, if you're if you're less familiar, he is uh, among the, the most cited psychologists of all time so a uh, a really big deal and one of his really enduring concepts that he's he's promulgated is that notion of of self-efficacy the idea that you know our beliefs about our abilities really do go a long way toward determining how successful we'll be in in any endeavor and so in some ways it's it's kind of like the psychological proven validation of if you believe in yourself, (laughs) you can achieve it. Well, it's not quite that simplistic, but there really is a kind of a a proven reliable mechanism by which that unfolds. And so so Bandura would assert that the, the belief that you have, you know, causes you to make certain decisions, which in turn drive particular behaviors flowing from those decisions, and then results from that. So so the belief associated with your level of ownership in your your job, career role can have just epic consequences in terms of of what's unfolding for your your work experience and results there. So for example, if you have a belief that, you know, I just have to do whatever I'm told during the hours that I'm here, well that in turn will lead to some decisions like, well, there's really no point in establishing the the plan or priorities for the day. I just gotta rush to put out the next fire, and then you'll just kind of do whatever is latest and loudest, to borrow some David Allen terminology, uh, that, that shows up urgently in your world. And then as a result, you're just kind of stressed and and not particularly effective because you're not planfully doing the, the things that make the, the biggest impacts. Whereas if you have a belief like an owner, you'd say, hey, this little piece of, of the world, you know, it's mine. I, I own this area of responsibility. It's, it's like my baby. And as a result... You start making wise decisions like, well, shucks, I've got too many things to do and not enough time to do it, so I've really got to get smart and prioritize about what are the key uh, actions that are really going to drive this forward in the most meaningful way, and then you go ahead and do those actions. And, and sure enough, you have some fun because you have some results. You look like a winner. There's there's praise and appreciation and results and hopefully, you know, promotions and more money and responsibility, advancement and and good stuff like that. So I think that's just one illustration how the, the, the broad principle of Dr. Bandura speaks about in terms of self-efficacy really shows up powerfully in the beliefs you have associated with uh, what ownership you have over uh, a realm of work.
0: And I'm really curious in the people you've interviewed, because you've interviewed so many experts on careers over the last few years, what do you find that you see leaders do well around creating that dynamic, that expectation, or even the environment where people feel like they can really tap into ownership more effectively?
1: Oh, oh that's that's a great question. you know really three guests are coming to mind uh, right off the, the top of my head here and and so I'll, I'll speak about each of them and, and what they had to share along the lines in terms of how that ownership, uh, materialized and made a, a world of difference. And so so the first one is Arthur Woods, and, and he's one of my first guests because he's a buddy. They'll say yes before you have a following. So thanks again, Arthur. And so he is a co-founder of this fascinating company called Imperative, and at Imperative, they are all about purpose, 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 you know, figuring out that the purpose driven workforce, the difference purpose makes for individual employees and, and leaders and, you know, share price and, and all that good stuff. And so they were, were looking at some some fascinating studies in in their research, which they saw that which, which you might consider the uh, lowest level uh, in terms of, I don't know, compensation or uh, educational requirements, credentials required to to get a profession in a, a hospital is you know custodial staff, the janitors, the folks who who clean things up. and And yet, uh, they saw just a a skyrocketing level of of job satisfaction and performance in terms of of cleanliness and and all that good stuff. When the custodial staff started taking real ownership associated with the the health outcomes, of the patients themselves. And you think, well, how, how do they really have an influence there? Isn't that kind of the doctors and the nurses and the PAs and the, the providers? But in fact, once they saw that as their job, they would proactively ask questions like, do you like this artwork in here? Is this working for you? Oh, that's no good. Well, why don't we swap it out for something else? What do you like? You like trees, you like mountains, you like water, you like people. And so then the the, the patients felt more cared for. And the the custodial staff felt more engaged in, in a sense of ownership there. And they had superior health outcomes where that's happening. So from a leadership perspective, I just think that's so powerful is if you can tell that story, that you can make the connection between what it, you, they're doing and what ultimately is the, the impact, the, the result, the, the mission-based goodness associated with it, it's so good, as well as Offering some of that autonomy. I'll tell you, my very first job was when I was working at Kmart and uh, I in the pantry section yeah. in high school. They called me Pantry Pete over the intercom, and they couldn't resist. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> alliteration. And so one of my favorite parts of the training, I was such a dork uh, for this leadership stuff, even back then. One of my favorite parts from the training was like, as a Kmart employee, you have the power to please. It's like, ooh, I like the power. Tell me more. And, and so that was that if someone wanted a 24 uh, case of, of Pepsi, you know, which was on sale, but shucks, we were out of them. Well, we could give them two 12s at the 24 pack price. I thought that was so cool. That I, I sought out any opportunity I had to to exercise this power. And in fact, when I had to write down in my calendar, instead of work, I, I would write down EPP, exercise power to please. That was me in high school because I goes into it. I was like, that's pretty cool what I can do and how people are are surprised and delighted as a result. Oh, that's so interesting. So
0: you were doing this already. I mean, so many organizations would love to have folks that were hiring and Roles for high school and college students who were thinking like that, and 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 yet that's not the norm, right? You're 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 probably an outlier <laughs> on that.
1: in a number of ways, Dave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's firmly established, right? So one of the things that I'm I'm curious about is it, what you described in, in Arthur's organization as far as getting um, the the janitorial staff to really be thinking about the mission of the organization, and and i think a lot of us hear that and we're like wow you know we'd love to have an organization like that we've all heard stories of organizations like that what did they do that actually got people thinking that way
1: you know well i think there's a couple things and and i think largely it's about you know telling stories and 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 sharing the the connection and and the the potential research and and saying holding up the exemplars like hey take a look at what this person did and that was really cool for the the, the folks over there, and another thing I consider in terms of podcast guests was was Jeff McManus, who who is the the leader of the groundskeeping staff at, at Ole Miss, you know, the, the university. And so, oh, I've heard you know, of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it, he was a, a great interview, and and he made the point there that uh, folks really got more engaged, and they and their their turnover was reduced when he again can told the story and connected that importance of their work to to something bigger and and it was it was pretty simple he's like all right look there is a a wealth of research that suggests that the physical appearance of the campus is a major consideration when someone is visiting the school on whether or not they will in fact enroll at the school so so we are shaping the very future of this institution based on the the students who choose to enroll largely based on how well you plant those flowers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. And and like you said, the research is there to support it. So the challenge, I think, for a lot of leaders is we may wish for that. We may want people to make those connections. But there's the fallacy I think that a lot of us make, I know I have, is that people are going to see that and they're going to make the connections themselves. Mm -hmm. And You've used the word storytelling a couple of times, and I've always been a fan of the fact that storytelling is the language of leadership. And so the willingness for a leader to tell the story and engage and to help people to make the connections that they may not otherwise see themselves, sounds like that's really critical. Oh, I absolutely agree. One of the pieces that causes people to not feel like they have ownership, and both you and I have experienced this and many people do in their careers is micromanagement, of course. And most of us, when we think about the poor leader we've had at some point in our career, we think about the person who micromanaged us. And, and I'm wondering how you have seen this come up in your conversations with guests and thinking about and coaching people on career strategy. Uh, how do you How do you see this Emerge, and what if anything do you find is helpful in
1: helping people to navigate around that? Oh, sure thing. Well, in terms of of sort of guest insights on that, first, I I just thought about from a leader's perspective, it's like the the long term effects of micromanaging are are very dangerous and spooky. Not just in terms of people who who up and leave because they're no longer interested in in this work environment, but also. I believe it was Pam Fox Rollin, uh, one of my guests who talked about transitioning and to a new leadership role. and And she mentioned that if you are, are are micromanaging or or dismissive of of input or or feedback from others, then then pretty quickly, folks just kind of you know stop talking. and and then you find yourself in the position of being the only one who's who's thinking who's able to, to, to use your brain and instead of just kind of following procedures and checklists and, and frameworks. And, and that's a pretty scary place to be. Like it is all on your shoulders and all of the wisdom of, of team is not emerging. It's not flowing around and, and, and passing into your noggin. <laughs> and that, that, that's pretty scary to, to have that all on your shoulders. So I think that's one uh, guest insight for, for how it shows up and, and the spooky impact. As to your, your other perspective when it comes to what is, are some great ways to, to avoid that, I think two things come to mind first. And, and one is just a very simple way to, to get your, yourself comfortable in advance with some of that delegation. And just, just imagine, like, under what circumstances will you be fine with what comes back to you? And, and the way that often gets articulated is you can do this any way you want, so long as you know X, Y, and Z, or, or blank, blank, and blank. And, and so I, I think it's really great to, to pinpoint that as like, folks really are not going to do it the way that you, you would do it. And, and to get some comfort with that, it's like, but you know what? That's okay, so long as critical things work like all laws and health and safety protocols are followed you know it's done by wednesday july 14th i don't know if that's a wednesday or not but um you know and it is done in a professional manner that is uh congruent with our design standards in in our in our slides or or excel or whatnot and so just if you just think about you know what are those critical components that Really make or break your view on whether or not it's successful and and, and write those down, define those clearly, and then share those, and then let go of the rest. And, and that's kind of the hard part for, for many folks, is like it's it's not my way, and and therefore it's not right. And, and I think there's quite a distinction. There's uh, many things that are right that are are not necessarily precisely the way we would do it
0: you said something so critical there which is to write it down and that is something that I've seen a lot of leaders struggle with without knowing they're struggling with it and they'll 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 have a piece of work or a project or something that they need to delegate and they start the process of delegation by setting a meeting with that person and explaining it as they go rather oh, than right having stepped back and taken a half hour, a day, a week, depending on the complexity of the project and how much visibility it has and how important it has, and really thinking through what are the clear expectations and the guideposts and the timeframe that come along with doing this project, and then then actually sitting down with that person and not having a conversation about how to do it but a conversation about the objectives and the expectations, like you were saying, Pete. And and then they put together the plan. They put together Great. the tactical yes. plan versus it coming from the person who's got more experience doing it. And there, there's just so many good things that come out of that. It and, and the reason I know that a lot of people don't do it is it takes more time. It takes time to think about it in advance of, what am I going to communicate as far as expectations? What are the guidelines? What are the check-in points? It's a lot easier, uh, at least in the short term, to just sit down and have the meeting versus
1: sit down and actually go through that thinking. Oh, it, certainly, and and you think that, I think that's one sticking point is is folks not taking the time. I think another sticking point is 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 folks don't quite have faith in the uh, the colleagues who who are receiving the the delegated responsibility in their capability to to execute the how and they're like uh this this, this isn't quite going to be right because he or she isn't sort of quite familiar with, with generally how we do this or how this is done and is supposed to unfold and And i think that in the in the world of of, of micromanaging i think in, in some ways a level of of guidance is is necessary and sometimes a lot of it even though there's leeway and and one of my biggest aha moments i think in this game was was realizing that the delegation, uh, you know, doesn't quite have to be an all-in-one-shot kind of a a move in terms of it's either all mine or or it's all theirs, and even w- without micromanaging. And so th- there's a few steps in, in the middle. And someone laid this out for me in terms of you know step one could just be hey watch me do this you take a look at how this goes down, and the second could be help me do this. I'm going to do most of it, but you're going to chime in with some some key areas. And then let's do this together collaboratively, followed by I'll help you do this, do the majority, and then I'll step back and, and watch you do this. And so I think that's a pretty helpful gradient just to, to step it down off of your plate and onto someone else's plate without a great deal of, uh, of precision uh, micromanaging, uh, but conveying hey, all the, the stuff that you need to know uh, in terms of the hows that you don't yet know, we're going to get that uh, progressively downloaded uh, into your capability set.
0: I was uh, thinking about a grid, from what you were just saying, that I put together years ago for a client project. And we were talking about this, this problem, <laughs> which almost every manager has had, which is you see someone about to make a mistake and you know they're going to mess something up what do you do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, how do you approach that? Uh, do you step in? Do you rescue them? And we put together this grid and, and and the, on one side was, is there, is it a minor issue or is it a major issue? And on the other side, it was, are they aware of it or are they not aware of it? And the only place that we could really make a case where it made sense to step in and to really take over and to rescue the person is if it was a major issue, that was going to you know, make be disastrous for the company or for the project, for the customer, whatever. And the person wasn't at all aware of it. But the uh-huh. other three, if it's a minor issue, is just to let it go. Like it's so important for people to have, and in fact, it's so much more important for people to have ownership than it is that they do it perfectly. Because, right. or how you would do it, because if they have ownership over it, they have all the things you and I have been talking about. Um, but if, if it's just being micromanaged, then they're just... Executing someone else's plan, they don't necessarily feel personally connected to it. And even if it's in a major issue, but they're aware of it and they know it's a problem, they ultimately still maintain control over it. They are still the person that it's delegated to. And yeah, they're working with them, of course. We're coaching them. We're uh, we're we're interacting and we're supporting them perhaps daily. Uh, but yet, they still have ownership over resolving it because that's the thing that's going
1: to help them to develop that skill set, which is going to make them ultimately better at it than we are absolutely and and it's a long term plan for your sanity in terms of being able to let go of of the perfection associated with all of the output all of your your teammates are are generating and and I'll tell you Dave it's so funny lately i don't know if it's if i'm reading like you know the 8020 principle or or essentialism or the one thing but these works about prioritizing as i read them i just find them so soothing <laughs> It's like, oh, I don't really have to do everything. I twenty percent of stuff will provide eighty percent of of value or even better, twenty percent of that, you know, or or four percent overall will will provide sixty four percent of the value. And so so that just really helps me take a breath and and just get clear in terms of, all right. I, we don't need to stress about everything getting done or everything getting done near perfectly. We only have to stress about a very small proportion of things getting done outstandingly. And so let's do that. And so for the other things that just sort of need to happen, well, that really makes me feel like I have a wide latitude of, sure, whatever you do is totally fine. Yeah. And as long as it, of course, goes through the framework
0: of Meeting the objectives, and you know all the things you had talked about earlier as far as meeting the right frameworks, but right. how you do it, um, I've I've had more times than not I've discovered in my career someone comes up with a better way to do it or more creative way than I probably would have done. Oh
1: yes, good point.
0: And so it's it, that just doesn't happen otherwise if you don't give people that uh, that opportunity to do it, and it's it's a challenge I think for especially new leaders too. Um, you know, you you've been at this a while, and you you get that perspective of the the importance of like not trying to do everything, and and yet the new leader, I think a lot of times is the person I find that really is struggling with this. Uh, they're six months or a year into their role, and a lot of times they became the leader, the manager of their organization because they were the best person at the previous job, right. and they got moved up into that role, and. They do it better than everyone. Sometimes literally, like they were they literally were the best person in the organization doing all these jobs. and now it's not their job anymore. They right. may show up in the same organization. they may wear the same uniform, they may go to the same location. they may literally have the same desk, but it's not their job to do the work anymore. It's their job to um, to lead the people and be responsible for the people who are responsible for the work. And that is at first glance, may seem like a subtle difference, but it's a massive difference as far as the work that they're doing on a daily basis. And it becomes so essential to be thinking about how do I give ownership and delegate effectively and create a framework where people can be really successful.
1: It's so true. It's so true. And I think that that's the risky zone just because you're you're so close to it. You're so familiar with it. You know, I think that as you get more and more senior, it's like, I don't even quite know the details for how that thing works. So you please just handle it. <laughs> because I don't want to start you know, going under the hood of all that complexity because I know you've got it handled. Whereas when you're uh, just freshly graduated from that set of responsibilities, you're like, oh, I know how to do this and I can do it really well. And you know, why don't I just hop in right now? <laughs> it, it, it's a, a tempting but disrupting kind of a tendency to be mitigated.
0: And it's a great place to get where people who are on our team, who uh, we lead, know more about it than we do. And I know that's a that's a fear for uh, a lot of early leaders, a lot of early managers. And yet, that's a wonderful place to be because it means that you've done exactly what you're supposed to do, which is develop the talent in your organization. That's really excited when exciting when you get to that point because you can do so much more, and then you can do the things that the the work of a leader, you know, really should be doing is, is thinking about doing the storytelling, setting the vision, setting the strategy, all the things we talk about so much on the show. Uh, it's not that we don't do the other things too, but it it's the focus, it allows us to really spend our time there to do the work that is so, so critical
1: for the organization. Absolutely it is. And often so hard to find the time to to do that with so many, you know, meetings and emails and, you know, Slack conversations or just pieces of input. That are all kind of get a little piece of us That it's sort of like the, the gains associated with being able to let go of a little more work can be massive because the time that it liberates is the cool, creative, strategic time that can make a huge leveraged difference. Speaking of cool, creative time, you and I could talk all day on this.
0: uh, And for those who are hearing uh, some wisdom from you that I know uh, they'll want to dive into more, Uh, there's so many great guests and conversations you're having on the show. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, the show and also uh, some of the training you do that'd be helpful to folks?
1: Oh, Dave, yes. Thank you. I'd love to. Well, so the show is called How to Be Awesome at Your Job. And the, the premise is that I'm interviewing folks who... Have something to say that can sharpen the universal skills required for professionals to flourish at work. So uh, it's so funny. Dave and I both get lots of pitches for people who want to share about their entrepreneurial journey, and Dave and I both turn down almost all of them <laughs> because that's that's not kind of quite what we're up to. So if it's about things like developing your your presence, your productivity, your your thinking skills, uh, communication skills. Ah, uh, managing your career to find you know fit and purpose and, and and that good stuff. Then then we'll talk about it and and so and we also have a lot of fun. It's kind of an upbeat uh, kind of a kind of a vibe, and uh, and then we we talk about folks' favorite things at the end of each episode. So you can learn a lot about different you know tools and books and apps and and those things. So that's just been a blast and uh, been really taken off faster than I expected, which is a blessing. The How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. And then for training, you know, my primary program is called the Enhanced Thinking and Collaboration Program, which is a set of modules that I deliver for a whole team in order for them to, to sharpen those thinking and collaboration skills. And and the coolest thing I've seen there is that it, we with the before and after evaluation survey data, on average, the typical teammate saves about 1.4 hours of wasted time a week and just eliminated. So fewer... Wasted meetings or wasted analyses uh, by implementing the the tools that we share. So I think that's just so exciting for the experience of work and for managers who need to prove some sort of an ROI on their on their training investment. Yeah, that's nice. And
0: you know, one of the things I was I was just thinking off the top of my head here, Pete. I don't know how you feel about this. Um, you know, I was I was thinking about your audience and the coaching for leaders audience. You know, most of the people who listen to your audience are not uh, managers. And Most of the people who are part of our audience are managers. I'm betting, there are probably four or five episodes um, from your show that would be actually really great suggestions for uh, the folks in our audience that they could pass along to staff on on a couple of key issues. And I'm wondering if maybe we could put together um, four or five of them that we'll put in the show notes that'd be really helpful for people to utilize on some of the specific topics. Because I know a lot of us as leaders, um, people come to us asking these questions that, you know, for, for a whole bunch of reasons, we don't always have the time to to spend or, or, you know, sometimes we're looking for the right resource. And I think some of those episodes might be uh, really, uh, really good starting points for that if you're game for helping me put
1: that together. Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. And it, it's it's just like, which one is to pick? So much fun. But yes, uh, happy to do that. And thanks for asking. Nice.
0: Well, I got one more question for you. I didn't warn you I was going to ask you this question. So we'll, we'll hear what you, what, you, what you think on it. <laughs> Leaders are always learning and growing. What's the biggest leadership mistake you've made and how have you grown from it?
1: Oh, sure thing. I think the biggest leadership mistake or that I've made probably multiple times is that I just operate under the assumption that other people sort of think and operate just the way that I do. And in particular, when it comes to having their, their stuff kind of under control. so it's funny we've talked about ownership and, and my preferred way to work is that I I just own it all. I've got it and I run with it and and then it's it's handled and if someone sort of prompts me or, or checks in with me, I might feel even a, a little bit a little bit irritated like you don't think I'm on top of this Dave come on back off I've, I've got it under control. Mm. whereas that is absolutely not universal for folks many people very much appreciate the the check in i think that has been a a recurring challenge and and so i've made a real effort to kind of put times in on the calendar and and be more more wisely proactive about my my ongoing engagements uh, to folks i'm leading
0: uh, i appreciate you sharing that a ton i I can certainly relate to that as well. And it's just a reminder in that delegation process. Of one of the questions I get a lot uh, from new leaders, especially, is well, how often should I check in? I don't want to be the micromanager that I didn't, <laughs> you know, I had five years ago. And one of the things we'll talk about right, is like, uh, have you asked? You know, have you asked, have you set up the expectation when you, when you do the delegation, when you set up the project of how much would you like me to check in? And to your point, Pete, some people want it a lot and that will really help. Some people don't want it at all. Um, and we may need to coach a little bit depending on who that person is and how much experience they have. Uh, but if you have that, uh, that conversation up front, you set those expectations. It's so much easier to navigate that when you do the check-ins or not. And it makes it, it, makes it just a better experience for everyone. Wow, I have so much to tell you about here at the end of the episode, so stick around for another minute or two. A bunch of information coming your way. First of all, thank you to Pete. And we mentioned during the conversation that Pete and I were going to put together five episodes from the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, which should be helpful to those of you who are leading teams. We've done that. The list is at coachingforleaders.com slash 303. That's the show notes for this episode. Uh, but don't worry about uh, writing that down because you can access that link just by checking it out in the weekly leadership guide that you get on Wednesday. Usually the link to the show notes is the very first thing in the guide. Check that out. Uh, If you click on it each week, it'll take you right into all the resources, everything that you need to know in order to uh, get the most value out of the episode and to link up to the resources that we've mentioned. So uh, check that out on Wednesday or right now if you'd like. And I also hope that you'll activate. Your free coaching for leaders membership, especially if you've just been listening, maybe for the last few months, or maybe even the last six months or a year, maybe you're picking up the show for the first time. If you are, welcome by the way. Uh, activating your free coaching for leaders membership is probably the best way to get insight on some of the conversations we've been having on the show for the last five, six years, and in particular. The best conversations because what I've done is I've put together the 10 lessons that I think are some of the most critical ones into a 10 day free audio course. It's titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. And when you set up your free membership, you will get access to that right away. Uh, Once a day for 10 days, I will send you in your inbox a less than 10 minute lesson. It's an audio lesson you click on. And you'll get the most important lessons from the show over the last, uh, really the last six years. So you can start that by going to coachingforleaders.com, activating your free membership. That'll get you started on the free audio course. And of course, there's a ton more in the free membership. The entire podcast library, searchable by topic. My entire personal library of everything I found online, searchable as well. The member cast, there's a whole bunch more that's in there. Again, coachingforleaders.com is where to set that up. And you've heard me talking about a couple of uh, meetup coming up uh, this week, actually. I'm going to be up in San Francisco this coming Thursday evening, June 29th. This is your last chance for those of you in the Bay Area. If you'd like to join us for the free meetup at the time I'm recording this, we do still have a few seats available, but it may fill by the time the event goes live. If you're interested in joining us for a two-hour event this coming Thursday evening, June 29th, 2017, and you're in the Bay Area, go to coachingforleaders.com slash San Francisco, all one word. It is a completely free event. We're going to have a ton of fun, a ton of activities. I'm really looking forward to meeting many of you in person who are Coaching for Leaders listeners in the Bay Area. And now, in addition, I'm also announcing a meetup coming up in Denver in the month of July, Monday, July 24th, 2017. If you are in the greater Denver area, I hope that you will join me for a meetup that evening, Monday, July 24th. It uh, will be in the evening somewhere in the greater Denver area. This one, we do not have a location yet, but if you're interested in attending and getting together with a number of other Coaching for Leaders listeners, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Denver Let me know you're interested in attending the event by um, doing a free RSVP. And once we get the location, we will let everyone know who's RSVP'd. By the way, if you're in the Denver area and you're interested in attending and you know of a location that you think would be good for us to get a group of Coaching for Leaders listeners together, I would love your input. You'll see a link on the page to be able to reach out to me directly. Also, if you're in the Denver area and have access to a room or would be interested in hosting us, I'd love to chat with you. Just go again over to coachingforleaders.com slash Denver. And I look forward to meeting you on Monday, July 24th. And another meetup is hopefully coming up in August here in Orange County. I've never done a meetup here in Orange County. I'm not sure why, but I was realizing I should probably do that. So I don't have the date nailed down exactly for that. But if you are here in Southern California, be listening uh, for the next week or two on a date coming up. In August 2017, so I'm looking forward to meeting so many of you in the next uh, next couple of months. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, uh, speaking of things that y- can support you going forward, I hope that you also check out some of the related episodes to today's conversation. Uh, Pete and I talked a little bit about delegation on this show and the importance of using an effective delegation process. If that's intriguing to you and you're not maybe sure what to do exactly or on how to delegate and the steps to follow to ensure that you get the message across but you're not micromanaging, I would highly recommend listening to episode 117. On that episode I walk through the seven steps you need to follow to delegate work. It walks you through exactly step by step how to delegate effectively so you get the results you're looking for, so you give people ownership over their work like we talked about today, and how do you do it with a, with a by avoiding micromanagement. It's one of the principles I talk about in that episode. 117 is, again, the one to check out. Also, please check out episode number 148. In that episode, David Hutchins and I talked about the four stories leaders need for influence. We talked a little bit about storytelling in this episode as well. In that episode, David and I talked about what are the four key stories that you need to be telling as a leader on a consistent basis in order to influence people well. If you haven't heard that episode, the framework will be really helpful to you in thinking about how to utilize storytelling effectively in order to get your message across to be a benefit to people and the organization. And then also, episode 302, last week's episode, how to challenge directly and care personally. If you haven't heard that one yet. Kim Scott and I talked about the principle of radical candor. She's the author of the book by the same name. If you're looking for ways to be even more effective at that, definitely check out episode 302 because it'll be helpful to you. You can access all those episodes just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. Now, I have one final call to action for you. A few Q and A episodes that are coming up. Actually, three Q and A episodes that are coming up. Uh, Bonnie and I are doing our normal monthly Q and A show next week. So, be watching for that. You can always submit questions to us by going to coachingforleaderscom feedback and in addition to that, there are two more Q&A episodes that are going to be coming up this summer in addition to our normal Q&A episodes on the first Monday of every month. Uh, one of them is going to be with Joe Knight. Joe was back on episode 244. He is the author of the book Financial Intelligence. And Joe and I got together on that episode. We talked about what are the key principles that leaders need to know around finance, the numbers business reporting, all those things that we all know we really should know more about uh, in most of our organizations, but a lot of us don't know nearly as much as we should. And Joe and his team have put together some fabulous books and resources around that. Uh, I certainly check out episode 244, but Joe's going to come back uh, in the next couple of months. And this time, rather than us talking about the principles in the book, He's going to be taking our questions. So if you have a question on business acumen, numbers, financial reporting, accounting, he is the person to answer your question. So go over to coachingforleaders.com/feedback you can submit your question to us. Let us know it's for the financial intelligence show and uh, I'll get your question in front of him. We'll pick the best questions that uh, will be helpful to most people. So uh, check that out. And also uh, coming up uh, in the next month or two, Kwame Christian is going to be here. He's an expert on negotiation and we're taking questions on persuading others, dealing with difficult people, and how to say no. So if any of those are resonating with you, again, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback and submit your question. Uh, that's the way to get questions in for all of these. Uh, just let us know which uh, which topic it's for, and uh, we'll be sure to tackle that when the show comes up. So, uh, gosh, <laughs> that's a lot, huh? But uh, it's, a fun, it's a fun summer going on here. We got lots happening. The Coaching for Leaders community continues to grow. I'm really thrilled to uh, be continuing to bring the show to you each week. So much more coming in the uh, coming months. And I'm looking forward to meeting so many of you at the meetups. Next week, Bonnie is back. We're returning for our monthly question and answer show. We already have a bunch of questions for the show. However, don't let that stop you. If you've got a question related to leadership, send it in. Coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. We will consider it, if not for this episode, a future Q&A show. Uh, keep your questions coming on finance, financial intelligence, finance, and also persuading others, dealing with difficult people and saying no for that uh, conversation we'll have on negotiation coming up. Have a great week and see you next week with Bonnie. Take care.